Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I am joined by a co-host as well as our guest, Chris Jones. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Great to be here with you. Our co-host today is going to be Sean Fowler. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Jeremy. He's the head of sales enablement here at SalesLoft. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about what that actually means inside of companies because Chris has some strong opinions about that. Chris is the chief revenue officer of BetterCloud. They are a SaaS operations management and security platform. Uh, but we're going to talk yeah, a little bit about settling into the new normal and what it means to lead remote sales organizations. Chris, I was reading through your profile on LinkedIn, and uh, you mentioned directly in your profile that you're a huge consumer of all things sales, sales leadership, podcasts, leadership books, and so on. So that means you're a bird of a feather to both Sean and I. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite resources? There's so much information out there, and uh, it's really important to be deliberate and curate what it is that that you want to focus on and what it is you want to get to mastery on. So how I think about that is in a few dimensions. First, from a leadership standpoint, I'm constantly seeking out books and podcasts from other leaders who have dramatically scaled companies. Uh, A book I just read within the last week was Tape Sucks by Frank Slootman. That was his story of growing data domain from a company smaller than ours to north of a billion and getting acquired by EMC. And everybody probably knows he's also the CEO today, Snowflake, that just had an epic IPO. So that was a lot of lessons learned from Frank. So that's one area that I go to. Another area that I go to is podcasts. And podcasts are just incredible. There's so much that you can learn and you can be doing something else. You can be either on a walk or run or doing something and just just be dialed in to that. So a couple of my go-to podcasts are John Gordon is one. I read The Energy Bus. A decade ago, and it certainly has was very formative in my earlier leadership years. And John is just an incredible leader. There's also some great scaling up podcasts. I think all all sales leaders and executives in companies like mine, we all have the common objective, and that's to how do we scale things up in a in a big way and an aggressive way. Keith Rosen's another one that I follow closely. Coaching Salespeople and Sales Champions is a best-selling book on sales leadership, and I'm a huge fan and believer of his approach and methodologies. We got an awesome reading list there. I guess I can begin to imagine what Tape Sucks is about, but what's the central premise of the book? Well, they disrupted the storage tape industry. And back in the day, what the way this worked was companies would back up everything that they had on disk in their data centers to actual tape storage. And they would take that someplace offsite. So if they had a disaster, they would not have lost all their important data. That was a very expensive and time-consuming process and manual process. And what Frank's company did, Data Domain, was they reinvented that process and essentially were able to bring a much lower cost disk a digital way of doing that backup and provide a lot of other operational benefits. Yeah, I'll, I'll, Sean, Sean can't toot his own horn, so I will, I will toot his horn for him. But I think for a lot of sales enablement people, it sounds like definitely Sean, sales enablement title 
really does not do justice to what they do on sales strategy, sales. And I think Sean has his tentacles spread across the entire organization. Love to hear your thoughts on the evolution of that role and and what you're thinking should be the mandate for that role. First of all, Meredith Dowd is our director of, I'll call it sales excellence. She does enablement operations and she does so much. And Meredith joined the company about 18 months ago and literally built the sales enablement program from the ground up. We use Lessonly. We've, we've got a lot of capabilities that we've built out and developed, a lot of role-playing. We use SalesLoft. We are going to start to use the deal scripts. That the way you laid that out, I thought that was a fantastic idea. So there's, I think, a lot more we can do with your platform. But there's more we need to do. John Dowling is the vice president of our corporate team. And he put together a sales boot camp. And this, again, is part of how you scale. You have to take all the stuff that's in his head, all the great experiences and ideas that he had, and somehow land that into a programmatic format that you can repeat and scale. So for all these new folks going from being an SDR into a sales rep position, he's literally got now a 10-module sales boot camp that he's developed. And I got to tell you, the last class that we just promoted, they all closed deals in record time. So clearly, clearly that's working. Look, I think ultimately we want to look at what are best in class. And, and we, uh, we have a mantra that we use in our sales organization is best is the standard. And we want to measure ourselves against the very, very best, highest performing SaaS companies. And that's the benchmark. We're not looking at averages. We want to be the best. And when it comes to each of us as individuals, we want to make sure we're focused on a growth mindset and just getting a little bit better every day, right? But ultimately, I think how we need to think about that is it's all about the outcomes. And the outcomes are, did we hit our growth targets and did we hit our percent of reps over quota targets. Because the most fun I've ever had in my career is when 90% of the reps are beating quota and blowing it out. The energy is, whew, it's unbelievable, you know. So that's what we're striving for. We're striving to make sure we put the conditions in place so we get to those outcomes, right? It's not like we do this sales enablement and it's like a thing within itself. It's all about how do we get to those outcomes. I feel a huge obligation to our team, as does Meredith, as do all the sales leaders, to make sure we're putting all the conditions in place for them to be wildly successful. That's what it's all about. Philosophically, do you actively tune quota in order to ensure that you get whatever 70, 80% above quota? I know it's sort of better to do it, obviously, through enablement and through marketing and through all the other go-to-market strategies, but I'm curious if you actually tune the quota also. Uh, yeah, we don't move the goalposts. That would kind of be like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, this year, we've made some quota modifications with respect to the business environment that we're in. So we have made some minor modifications. You know, you talked about the energy when everybody's winning. And uh, I think that's why most good salespeople are really in sales. I mean, money's great. Money's, money's necessary, but not sufficient, right? Like it's the feeling of winning that people really want. And uh, energy is something I think about a lot lately now that we're remote. So at SalesLoft, we've been remote since early March. We'll be remote for a while and we're performing pretty well, but we've got a great culture as a company. And one of the things I think about is like, how do we maintain that culture? How do we make sure we create the energy that I think really motivates all of us. I think about that from an enablement perspective as well. I've got eight new hires in 
sales onboarding right now who are all remote via Zoom. We traditionally do it in person. I'm wondering, like, what are what are you guys doing right now to kind of maintain or promote that energy? Yeah, no, it's something we've done a lot with, and we're going to continue to innovate there. But specifically at the company level, our CEO Dave Galitas has done a great job of really setting up twice a week all company calls. So we have a 30-minute call, all hands. And he's got a variety of awesome topics, outside speakers. We just introduced a new CIO. Yesterday's session was get to know the new CIO. It's just been dynamite. So that's step one. Step two, in the sales organization, we've done that as well. So we have a weekly all-hands call, all just for everyone in the sales organization. We feature a win during that call. My leaders play a big role. It's not the Chris show. It's like kick it off with some remarks and go through some high-level stats. And then we go through it and we're constantly sharing best practices. All of our leaders have implemented daily stand-ups. And it's how you do the daily stand-ups. You got to make it fun. It's not about, did you meet your phone call metrics today? Did you like, that's important, but this is more about, hey, tell me something good that happened today, right? That's what we do. We make it fun. On our quarter end celebration, we've made that really big. One of the things that's very special about the Better Cloud culture is that the quarter end celebrations are just epic. When we were in New York, we're headquartered in New York, and literally the whole sales organization is in New York, and we party till the wee hours of the morning. And it's just amazing. The CEO comes in, he and I go pick a couple of the top reps, we go around the corner to a liquor store, and we load up. And we we just have we just have a big party. So we haven't been able to do that exactly. But what we've done is we've done our very best to create a similar atmosphere of celebration at the quarter end. And uh, I had the Atlanta employees, which is where I live, come to my house, be socially distanced. We set it up like a studio. We did a big celebration, recognized all the top performers. I actually then posted pictures of all the top performers on LinkedIn saying, we had a fantastic quarter. Shout out to all the award winners. And, you know, so you just you just have to think about what are different ways that you can celebrate each other, celebrate successes and share the successes. Yeah. John, you're more active in this. What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, um, a, a lot of the same stuff. It sounds like our, our cultures are very similar. So pre-COVID, we had pretty big quarter in celebrations. First day of the quarter got started pretty late, usually. <laughs> and uh, we have a bi-weekly meeting. We do celebrate wins. I like the idea of making a big deal about it on LinkedIn and posting the winners on LinkedIn. And I like the idea of getting people together when possible and safe. Like that, that those are both fantastic ideas. And it's something that I've been trying to figure out how to directly affect. I'm also thinking more about rituals. There's, I don't want to go too far in the deep end here, but I've been researching limbic resonance a lot lately. So in the brain, the limbic system is part of your mammalian brain and it regulates emotion. And if you are ever at a concert and everybody's kind of experiencing the same thing, that's your limbic systems getting synced up at the concert. You're having a collective experience of the same thing. If you are watching a sporting event, if you are in a class and everybody's just kind of on the same page, that's a natural physiological response to what's happening. And it's really difficult to create those situations online, right? So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, how can you create a collective experience of the same thing whenever you're online? And I think that pertains not only to culture, but also to selling online.
online because it's really easy to check out. It's really easy to click over and like look at your email or look at LinkedIn or whatever while you're talking to somebody online and uh, you're not maintaining eye contact. You're not having a collective experience of the same thing like you would in person. I don't think there's a magic bullet, but it's something that we as a society, I think, have to figure out because things aren't going to go back to normal once we have a vaccine. That is true. It's, it's not going to be a light switch. Chris and I earlier this week were on a 50 person Zoom meeting that I think, Chris, for you lasted two days, right? It was spread over two days. Yes, it was. Uh, it was about half a day each day. You got basically 50 CROs all together of, you know, of fairly powerful companies. How did the, the organizers keep you engaged? And what did you do to keep yourself engaged in that kind of a forum? Well, it, it was great, actually. I, I sent John McCracken a note saying how much I appreciated it. He leads the CRO practice at Warburg Pincus, and it was fantastic. So we had the CEO of Salesloft and you. We had a number of CEOs of other companies. We had peers coming in. So we all love hearing from our peers. I find it very motivating because Every time you think you got something figured out and you're you're doing pretty well, you get on one of those calls and you're like, oh, man, there's so much more I need to be doing. I'm not as good as I thought. On that note, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, excluding sales law stuff because we try not to be self-promotional on the podcast. What were some of the, you know, one or two of the key things you said, oh, my goodness, we got to start doing that? Well, something that we're really leaning in on is value selling. And we've we've really focused on that. We hired Forrester to put together a total economic impact study. We created a tool. That's a big focus for us because part of how you you have to earn big deals by making sure that you can show the value, right? I always tell the team that you have to talk about price and value at the same time. Otherwise, whatever the price you put on the table is going to be too high. So, and we want to sell value, not technology. So there were some really good ideas there that folks like at CrowdStrike, my peer at CrowdStrike, he's just been at it longer. I've, I've just been here. I'm in my fourth quarter at BetterCloud. So we've put a lot of awesome foundational things in place, but it's a journey getting to all the things you want to get to. So that to me is really, it's the, it's the next big frontier where we're going to drive massive value and really elevate the game, elevate the talent level in the organization by having them become more expert at value selling. It's interesting you mentioned the value selling piece. I, we had Steve Fitz, the CRO of Sumo Logic on not too long ago, and he did something that I had never heard of before, which was to actually outsource the business value assessment, value engineering process to uh, pieces of it anyway, to a partner called Ecosystems Inc. I don't know if you ever heard of them or, or ever thought about, you know, at least outsourcing elements, maybe the deck creation or whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be. Yeah, I'll check them out. Thanks for the tip. People can't see you, but you're writing it down. Sean Fowler, uh, I know you've done a lot around business value assessments and value engineering. What are some of the, the things that you found worked and, and or lessons that you've learned along the way? The biggest thing is that if I do a, a business value calculation or an ROI calculation and give it to you, you don't believe it because it's mine that I gave to you. It has to be a collaborative effort. You know, I used to do this a lot when I sold internationally at IBM and I would go and have these two or three hour kind of workshops I would do with VPs and CMOs. I sold marketing software and uh, I had a great value calculator that was built out in Excel. It had sliders and all this stuff. And at some point, I would tilt or pivot the, the laptop over to my customer and get them to start putting in the data and moving the sliders. And that's when I knew I had a sale because now it was their numbers. 
not my numbers. Right. And that's the biggest thing because then they, they then have to take that and go back and sell internally. They have to build consensus internally. And when you were doing that, you were uh, a sales engineer, I believe. So how, how do you translate that skill for someone, you know, for, from rather than a sales engineer doing it over to uh, an AE who has to do that? So I was in sales at the time, but um, it, you actually have to know what you're doing. That's the thing. Like you can't just get in and start trying to do value calculations because you have to understand where they don't apply sometimes. And you have to know enough about business, specifically your customer's business, in order to ask the right questions or sometimes say like, you know what, I don't think you're going to get any improvement from this particular value driver because you're already doing so well. In fact, I do that now with our own value selling framework where if somebody's got a 35, 40% win rate, we're probably not gonna raise that. They've got a pretty good win rate. Let's focus on something else, right? Let's focus on having more opportunities for them, things like that. So that's big as well. The, the last piece of it is, and this is a mistake I've made, if you're asking for a lot of information, a lot of times your customers aren't gonna have it, right? Having benchmark data that you can use as a baseline during the value selling process is really important because a lot of times whatever value your software provides or your services provide if they don't already have your software or your service or something similar they don't have that data right which is interesting because they could probably get it in 10 minutes if they did have your software but a lot of times they don't have it or it's not reliable so having benchmarks that you can use to then help set the baseline for that conversation can be really effective yeah, super helpful. Well, Chris, I did want to just in the last few minutes we have left, I wanted to rewind to if, if you think about some of the mistakes that we can help prevent some of the listeners from making themselves on either go to market or KPIs or what have you. What are what are some of the things that if you could do it again, you would have done differently? I think a lot of it first starts with people and making the right hiring decisions for the situation. I think from the KPI standpoint, earlier on in my career, I didn't have full understanding of every single leading and lagging indicator that was most important. So to really have a pulse on the business, to see the early warning indicators or positive green lights of things going on. So today I take a much more balanced approach with KPIs. We've got incredible analytics capabilities at Better Cloud. We've got a team of, of folks who just do a great job working closely with us and supporting us. And we've got, I could look at the business Six Ways to Sunday in Tableau. But we've got a handful of things that we look at that matter most around leading indicators and pipeline gen and movement across the pipe and advancement rates and those sorts of things are real real game changers. And if you're not looking at those early on as a CRO, you're uh, flying blind in a lot of areas, I would say. And then on the, on the plus side, you were interviewed, I guess, right when you joined Better Cloud about some of your proudest experiences. And you had mentioned some of the things that had, uh, you know, you were able to accomplish with the team over at Pros. Now that you've had, as you said, four plus quarters over at Better Cloud, what change have you and the team made that you're most proud of? Yeah, I think what I'm most proud of is to see, see people growing and see people getting promoted. Like John Dowling became a first time vice president uh, earlier this year. And, and he's taken on more responsibility. He's a first-time, second-line leader. So just to see him stepping up and growing and going through the growing pains that we all go through when we are doing something for the first time that we haven't done before, that's just awesome. So I think it starts with the people. We've got a great team over here across the board and just really proud of how we're all rallying together cross-functionally to, to grow the business at an accelerated rate. 
because it, it takes a village, it takes people in marketing, it takes people in finance, it takes people in sales, right? There's a great old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that way we're rallying together as a team, especially in these times. I mean, the adoption of SaaS that's happened now, it's a terrible situation, this, this COVID pandemic. But what it's done is it's overnight flipped the switch on people adopting SaaS applications because they literally can't run their business without doing it. So we solve a lot of the problems that come along with that around management security. So we're in a very fortunate place. We were able to help a lot of our customers to navigate through this more effectively. Amazing. We got one quick question for you. In terms of sales strategy, what's the number one challenge you're focused on right now? I would say the number one, and this has been number one since the beginning of time for most sales leaders, is demand gen. Making sure we've got gigantic pipelines at the company level and at every rep level and uh, making sure that we're doing all the things we need to to keep that in play on a continuous basis. So uh, we spend a lot of time and energy on that. It's uh, always a challenge. So I'd say that's that's it. Any quick tips on how to increase your demand gen? Focus is one of the things that has moved the needle very positively and really making sure you understand your market and understand which companies have the highest propensity to buy your solution and leaning in a lot more on those, really a laser-focused approach to it. Brilliant. If people want to learn about opportunities to you know, join your fast-growing team, what's the best way for them to do that? We are hiring, absolutely. And we'll be hiring even more at an accelerated pace going into next year. So we've got at bettercloud.com on our careers page are the openings we have. We've got a great talent acquisition team led by Jillian, who's my business partner over there. And we're always looking for great talent who want to join a rocket ship. So we're excited about that. Outstanding. Thanks so much for being on. And Sean, thanks as well. Yeah, guys, it was my pleasure. Thanks. And uh, all the best with everything. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast. 